Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Welcome, everybody. We're back here for another week with the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. We're um, in the middle of harvest, or, well, I'm not going to say the middle of harvest. We, we're harvesting. I got uh, R.L. Where are you at, R.L.? Uh, I'm in Winsboro today. Came down here for a uh, another meeting and, and, and walked out of that meeting to come in here and uh, do the podcast with you. All right. Well, good. Well, you're in that conference room over there that we... We do Zoom interviews and stuff. You're, we're actually on, we're on a video program here. We're looking at each other as we talk. Kylie had to, uh, she had to bow out on us this morning. She, her husband, he did something to his back, and she was taking him to the doctor this morning. So yeah, she's been the good wife. Yeah, she, you know, she said they, they, they shut down. They got through harvest. I think they were, they finished up beans the other day, and they were gonna take a few days off and. Ground so hard, it's so dry. The ground so hard, you know, you're tearing stuff up trying to do field work. Oh yeah, uh, and you know we're kind of in that catch twenty two right now. We need a rain, but yet nobody wants a rain right now. They're trying to finish up, you know, trying to get this cotton crop out, the rest of these beans out, and, and do some field work mm-hmm. before they get a rain. But uh, we need a rain. <laughs> yeah, we do. We need a rain, uh, and that's like uh, James Hendricks here on the research station. He planted some cover crops, so he planted some fall cover crops, some sun hemp, and I forget what all he had to it. I think he had some buckwheat. He had two or three different things to plant behind, you know, looking at planting behind corn, and he hardly got them up. I mean, they're just, he got a few of them up in some plots, and it's actually looks kind of miserable out there. <laughs> but, I bet. I bet. Yeah, it. Uh, but it. You know, we'll get a rain one day. They they got some rain down in Catahoula Parish, a little bit, a little bit in Concordia yesterday. So it's uh, it's doing. Uh, they got a little bit of this little thing that's that tropical depression. They getting picking up a little bit. We're we're going to be outside of it. I think. I don't think we'll get anything. So. Yeah. Um, Anyway, we'll uh, we got a few things to talk about. You and Kylie went up there, and y'all went to Lake Providence to the peanut field this week. Oh yeah, we have actually started digging peanuts and harvesting peanuts. Uh, I believe they actually started the digging process last Friday. Mm-hmm. I like they know it's Friday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. You know, trying to stagger up big enough to keep the harvester running. Yeah. Uh, we're figuring all this out, but uh, with it being as hot and dry as it is, we're having to harvest, we're having to run the combine faster than or, or a day earlier than we had anticipated. Yeah. I was looking at a four day drive, uh, but looks like we're, right now we're going to have to back it up to about three day drive. Okay. So they were trying to get two dry ones. Yeah. What, and I didn't ask, I was picking cotton the day y'all did all that. And uh, what, uh, I didn't ask you that day. What was the, what's the yield? We don't know the yield yet. Uh, they don't have a yield monitor. Well, is it good, bad, or ugly? Well, just some rough figuring 
They said they looked like they were at their target for what they were wanting to yield. Okay. I never got a definite out of that. Some of them are probably close to three tons. Okay, well, I have, I have no idea if that's good, bad, or ugly. I think that's good. That's, that's probably good. Okay, well, I good. three tons and better is considered really good. Yeah, well, now... I heard talking to another agent yesterday mm-hmm. where they have had some guys that started growing peanuts a few years ago, and on that first year, they were four tons to the acre, yeah. which was exceptional. Uh, but I think... Anything over two and a half, I'm guessing, I'm speculating, two and a half, three tons to the acre mm-hmm. is profitable for them. Okay. Well, now, y'all, I know uh, y'all were up there most of the day, took some video. You, I've looked at the video y'all took, which is actually, it's dig. It's the, the digger, which flip. okay, the digger flips them over, right? Right. And then they come back with the combine and harvest them, actually, they don't. Do they shell the peanuts, or they just knock them off the vine? Uh, all we're doing is taking the, the nut off the vine. Okay. And that nut goes in a big. I got an eighteen wheeler sitting there, and the the whole peanut goes to the uh, shelling plant, or somewhere to be stored to go to the shelling plant. You know, it's like anything else. You know, it's going to heat up in that trailer. Mm-hmm. You know, so they got to get it somewhere and get it cooled down. Uh, the company they're working through is in the process of building a new shelling facility, I believe, in Jonesboro, Arkansas. It's almost complete. Mm-hmm. I think that first load we ended up going to Pocahontas, Arkansas. Oh, okay. Well. So they're having to ship from a pretty long ways right now, but they are being paid mileage to haul it. So. Oh, well, that's good. That's a, that's a big plus. What they decide about the hay? Uh, don't leave, not, not going to work with Okay. Just well, going to spread it and leave it all there on top of the ground. Okay. Well, I'm sure they're going to plow it under, but I'm going to try to talk them out of it. Yeah. Just leave well, it later. Yeah. It's well, I mean. Good little solid mat laying across there right now. Mm-hmm. To me, that would be a great wheat barrier. Yeah. Especially, yeah, if we catch a rain and they got that out there, keep pigweed from coming up. Yeah. Or help keep it from coming up. I don't know if it'd stop it, but it'd help it. Um, there's something else. I, oh, the video y'all took. Now, we're going to – I've looked at it. You, well, you looked at it, obviously. But um, we're going to put that together and make a little YouTube video out of that. Y'all imparting to us y'all's vast peanut knowledge while it's going. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, you you going to get Kylie to talk, or you going to talk? I'll talk. Of course, Kylie's got a little short interview. She's done with one of the uh, one of the partners in this group. Let's put it this way. Okay. Well, good. All right. Now, I know Kylie's got it. She also talked today. Was that today? Yeah, to this morning. Yeah. She talked to Dr. Kirk Gidry, who is the... Well, he's a he's a regional director in the southwest down in Crowley for the ag center, but he used to be the extension ag economist. And she talked to him about budgets and figuring how they're figuring and enterprise budgets and stuff like that. Everybody's harvesting crops, trying to get them sold, 
or maybe they already got them sold, hopefully, on some of these. Maybe they got a good price for them. And they got to start figuring out money for next year. You know, get this year behind them and figure out. I talked to uh, a grower this morning. Uh, he actually, I was sitting on the side of the road talking on the phone, and he pulled up beside me. And we were talking about uh, he had his, he had next year's cropping plan in his truck. He's going to plant, he's going to cut back on cotton, still have a fair amount of cotton, he's going to cut back. He's going to go up on wheat. I think he told me he's going to have almost a thousand acres of wheat and double crop soybeans. Wheat? Wow, that's something I hadn't heard in my area in three years. Yep. Well, that's that's what he had in his mind, I guess, figuring that the double crop, and it's all irrigated, figuring the double crop would be able to, the two crops together. So uh, let me turn my phone off here. I was surprised me, but he's uh, he was cutting back on his cotton a couple hundred acres, and and the corn I think was going to stay close to the same. But this double crop beans and wheat, uh, and he used to plant a good bit, but he hadn't in the last couple of years. But uh, anyway, so everybody's already thinking about it, you know. Speaking of cotton, you've been hearing any yields? Uh, we haven't really got started picking yet, so I can't say. We're, uh, we've had some guys picking. One of the gins, well, I think both gins have cranked up, uh, getting started. Yields uh, really and truly a little disappointing. They're picking 1,000 pounds plus, but some fields that, and some I know of, that should I thought were going to go 1,200, 1,250. Uh, they're picking a thousand pounds. It's or eleven hundred pounds. It's not a little bit of disappointment. Uh, yeah. The yeah. Gro- the grower I was talking to this morning, we were actually across the road from his farm, one of his farms, and looking at his cotton. He said, "What's he gonna pick?" And I said, "I don't know. As of right today, I'm not gonna guess. I, yeah. I just I'd be wrong." Uh, well, you know, you talking about cotton out there in the peanut fields. He, he, the same producer had a cotton field right behind it. Mm-hmm. And to, to get to the backside of the peanut field, you had to go all the way around the cotton field, you know, you got to turn the roads right. Oh, yeah. And so we had to go three sides of the cotton field to get to the other side of the peanut field. Yeah. And we were looking at it. It was the fall ready, ready to pick, waiting on the custom picker to get there. And Kyle and I both were noticing how good a bowl load he had. He had a pot, he had a middle of the crop. He had a top mm-hmm. crop. Everything was open. I mean, it was a picture book scenario for cotton. Mm-hmm. But you still don't know what it's going to turn out to you. Do you get the picker in there? Well, that was what this grower was talking about, the amount of rain we had. And it stayed wet. Just the ground stayed damp for so long. Yeah. And he's got some cotton that's... It's taller than this where we were. It's on some lighter ground. And it's taller, and it shed a bunch of fruit. He lost a bunch of bowls down low. He, he said, I'm not sure what it's going to do. It's uh, It's got a pretty good bowl load on it. He said, but those those big bottom position bowls, he said, we don't, I don't think we got those anymore. I think it shed or... It shed a lot of those during all that rainy spell when, we was, when it was squaring and setting bowls. So, I don't know. We'll see... Uh, 
I know one producer was going to start today. They were going to pick today and tomorrow, and then they were going to start back probably middle of next week. So it's we're just really getting kicked off good, you know. Beans are about done. Right. For, for, for my area, well, we're a week or so behind. Yeah. We're, we've cut a lot of beans, but we've got a lot of beans yet to cut ahead of us. And they're all over the board, yield-wise. Yeah, that's us. And the, of course, we're through with corn. Probably 50% on rice. And, that was, and that's the reason, because all the early rice is cut, and rice that was planted late May is not ready yet. It's still a couple weeks off. So, uh, But now the early rice yields were good. Uh, and I think some of this late rice, some of it's going to be off a little bit, but there's, some of it looks really good. We'll, uh, Talk about cotton, though. You sent me an email there this morning about some cotton results, y'all, a demo y'all had picked. Oh, yeah, that was what, when y'all when y'all were videoing the peanuts and stuff, Tuesday, We this is with one of Dr. T- Brenda Tabanya's uh, grad students and it's what they're doing is they're comparing an enriched strip to the farmer standard but the big thing is they're using an aerial drone with a to collect ndvi and comparing that to handheld green seeker in this they do it at uh, early bloom and now they're not adding any more fertilizer this is strictly a comparison and they like to collect yield just to for the farmer and so we, let's let's clear our listeners, when you're saying in strip. Okay. It's, it is a 2X rate. What he did was he was putting out 85 units in the rest of the field. And on this first 24 rows of the field, he put uh, a 2X rate. He went down and back. He just went over the same rows twice. He put 170 uh, units. Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, we've done enough of these, but some of our viewers may not have been sure what that index strip Well, you're right. And we should be an NDVI, which is normalized difference vegetative index. I have to remember that. But it's it's a measure of plant health. And we did it. We actually, they actually flew it at early bloom, which you and I did some work with Dr. Tabanya. If you were going to add more fertilizer, that would have been the time to do it. But he's just wow. trying to come up with correlation numbers. Now, let me say this. We did this last year and... The farmer standard, which last year had 85 units on it, beat or yielded as well as the enriched strip last year. Now, this year being a different year, different weather, the enriched strip won this year. It won by, it averaged out 1,300 pounds and the Farmer standard was 1,200 pounds of lint. So maybe this year he might would have needed to, could have used a little extra touch of nitrogen there at early bloom. I don't know. But is 100 pounds of lint worth, does it, it return you money against the additional fertilizer cost? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And it's, and then you got to look at picks because this is all irrigated. Farmer does a really good job with it. He's very intense, hands-on, and he watches it close. So I don't know. He A little more management there might have. I don't know. Well, it goes back to what you and I have called for years. The best yield is not way, uh, not always the most economical way to go. Well, not the highest yield. Yeah, you're right. And you're right. The yields don't always yield you big profits. Yeah, and you're right. That's 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 a big deal with uh, knowing the economics of it. Now, let me say, last year he was tickled pink because he put out the 85 units and it did as well. This year, I mean, he, 
he's still happy with what he's got. Don't get me wrong. He's picking 1,200 pounds of cotton. He's not He's not unhappy. But, you know, he's got to... And this is where I guess you and I have preached this over the years. And we've had some growers do it and some try it and some not. A reference strip is the cheapest thing you can do to monitor your nitrogen usage, you know? And whether you use a... Whether you use a green seeker or whether you just walk out there and say, well, that is green and this is not. I mean, no. are they both green? Are they both green? Are they, you know, it, it doesn't take any time. You don't have to put one in every field. You put one in a, in a group of fields that are all similar. And we've always told everybody, just like I told him, I said, look, when you put your fertilizer out, you put it out, you turn around on the other end, just go back over to give you a 2x rate. And it's not going to really affect you as far as picks goes, or it's not going to grow up on your, you know, that little dab is not going to really bother you that much based on what you're getting out of it. It's well worth it. It's just kind of like the moisture sensors are a good way just to keep you in the loop. It's the same situation. Give you one more tool and the tool box to aid in your decision making. You're right. And nowadays with the tight margins and everything, you need all the tools you can get. Exactly. You can only cut so much money without cutting your nose off to spite your face. Same thing on the other side. You can spend too much to, to get that extra yield, and all you got was extra yield. You, you didn't make anything out of the extra yield because that's what it cost. Yeah. You know, so. You spent a dollar and you got a dollar, so you didn't make anything. You didn't yeah. lose anything. Yeah, well, I, you know, but it's. So we've stood here and we've chatted for a while. We talked about, we just got through talking about budget. See, that was a pretty good intro into that, wasn't it? I, you would, <laughs> You might would think we did that on purpose. But uh, let's let Kylie go and talk to Dr. Gendry, see what he's got to say this morning, and then we'll come back and talk some more. How about that? Sounds like a plan. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. And we thank you for listening. Today I'm joined here with Dr. Kurt Gidry, who is an extension economist and also happens to be the regional director for the Southwest region. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning. How are you this morning? Doing good. Um, This morning, I'd like to talk about budgets for 2020. Um, What are some of your thoughts or maybe even suggestions on things farmers need to be thinking about for next year's crop? Yeah, certainly, you know, uh, as producers begin to finish up harvest, uh, they need to really start thinking about, you know, where what their crop enterprise mix will look like for next year. Uh, They can also start thinking about, you know, given the, the market situations and the volatility that we have in the markets and looking at markets and seeing uh, if, if if pricing opportunities are, are, are there. And, and really to start looking at that, I think the basis for all of that information, the basis for all of that analysis really needs to be in terms of a cost of a production for, for the different enterprises that producers are going to potentially grow in the next year. So I think Certainly, when you look at cost of production, uh, what we what we're going to have in the crop uh, in terms of our cost, uh, the best source of information for that is is certainly the producer's own records. Uh, so I would suggest that producers to, to really start looking at developing enterprise budgets for each one of their major enterprises. So develop a cost of production enterprise budget for their corn crop, their soybean crop, their cotton. Uh, whatever enterprise that they're going to do at a bare minimum. Now, some of them making even go into and start looking at developing cost of production that even at the field level. Uh, but I think certainly at a bare minimum, you want to do it based off of your major enterprises. 
Um, now, you can take that information and then you can look at uh, also uh, LSU Ag Center develops enterprise budgets each and every year to kind of give an idea of what it's going to cost to grow a crop. Uh, those enterprise budgets typically come out in late fall, early winter. And uh, they give us kind of a, a heads up in terms of what uh, it's going to cost to to grow an acre of corn or grow an acre of soybeans. And, and again, that needs to be the basis for, uh, I think, for your enterprise selection or your enterprise mix. What crops are you going to grow for the next year? It also needs to be the basis for for your marketing plan and then to see where, you know, where we think uh, or where, where you project uh, it's going to cost you uh, per bushel of soybean produced or per, per bushel of corn produced. And that needs to be the basis of your marketing plan. And then and, and certainly at the market, particularly in these markets where, we, where we're having some difficulty in finding value in these markets, I think once the, when the market is providing you some opportunity for some profitability, uh, certainly we need to try to start taking advantage of some of that. Uh, particularly, uh, you know, we're in a situation for many of our commodities where we're kind of a, at a supply and demand imbalance, mm-hmm. uh, putting some downward pressure on prices. And so uh, anytime you have that, that those types of situations, it typically uh, we see that pricing opportunities uh, are, are short-lived and, and, and oftentimes uh, few and far between. So having an idea in terms of what our cost of production is, uh, projecting our cost of production will give us a better uh, basis for making some marketing decisions, and it would also give us a, a better basis for making uh, our enterprise selection or enterprise mix selection. Mm-hmm. And so, cost of production, I think, is kind of in, 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 in a in summary, the cost of production needs and your enterprise budget kind of needs to be the the basis for uh, for a lot of the decisions that you that you're going to make. Uh, heading into the the, the new growing year, mm-hmm. uh, and and if anyone needs those enterprise budgets, they're 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 provided on the LSU Ag Center website. That's correct. Correct. Yeah. Right. So right now, uh, if you uh, go to the LSU Ag Center web, website, uh, and if you go, you can get to it a couple different ways. You can either get to it by clicking on the crops, and there should be a link. Uh, for so you click on corn, there should be a link for uh, budgets or economics, and that should give you to our budgets. Uh, and you can do that through each commodity, or if you want to get them all in one kind of in one spot, you can go to the uh, Department of Ag Economics and Ag Business website, uh, and then there is a, an extension and outreach category uh, on that website. And when you click on that extension and outreach, uh, they will list not only the the current budgets, but the budgets for the last 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. Right now, what we have on uh, that are available are the 2019 budgets. The 2020 budgets, as I mentioned earlier, those will be coming out probably in the November, December timeframe. Okay. It's typically when we try to get those budgets out. Um, so, yeah, those, the, and, and, you know, 2019 budgets. Uh, until those until those 2020 budgets are are available, the 2019 budgets can be a pretty good uh, approximation for where we're going to see uh, prices in 2020. Uh, you know, each year there's always a little bit of a difference in terms of where some of these input prices may go. 
Uh, I think if you look at some of the bigger the bigger input items, uh, fertilizer, fuel, uh, interest rates, um, you know, all of those look to be relatively stable uh, heading into 2020, at least at this point in time. Uh, I think if you look at the Department of Energy, uh, their Energy Information Agency, which does some projections for for fuel prices, uh, they're looking at uh, right now they have a a projection for for diesel prices to be to be up about four or five cents per gallon from 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of that's going to be, or most of that projection projected increase is going to come in the latter half of 2020. And so, for 2000, the beginning part of 2020, uh, prices should be relatively stable, or projected to be relatively stable, to what we saw in 2019. Um, if you look at the Dallas. Uh, Federal Reserve, uh, they do a little ag survey uh, every quarter, and if you look at their their latest uh, quarterly report, uh, they're looking at and, and look at interest rates. For example, uh, we'll see a, there's a little bit of a trend in, in interest rates ticking up a little bit. If you look at the second quarter of 2019 versus the the second quarter of 2018. Uh, interest rates for both operating interest rates and intermediate uh, interest rates are up up a tick from from where they were in 2018. And if you look at the trend, those trends tend to see that we're going to see, uh, uh, I think, at least marginally higher interest rates for 2020, uh, given the current outlook than what we saw in 20 in 2019. And then finally, for fertilizer prices. Um, if you look at both supply and demand worldwide and you look at, uh, from a national standpoint, some of the current retail prices for fertilizer, I think we look at those and, and I think for most of our major fertilizer components, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the current outlook is for, for prices to be in 2020 to be steady to, to maybe even, even slightly, a little slightly marginally lower for some of the, for the, for the different fertilizers. Uh, as we head into 2020. So if you look at our 2019 budgets uh, and you're kind of trying to figure out what that's going to look like for 20 and 20, uh, you know, I, I would I would suggest that we're probably going to see 2020 cost of production per acre. They're going to be probably in line with what we saw in 2019, maybe 1% to 2% higher. Um, and so I don't think that we're going to see a drastic increase or decrease in, in, in per acre cost projections for 2020 versus 2019. So having said all of that, 2019 cost of production projections should be a pretty good indication of what we, of what we would expect to see, um, what it's going to cost us to grow a crop in 2020. Okay. Well, um, Dr. Guidry, we, we appreciate you joining us this morning on, on calling in on this podcast. And again, I hope we get to have you on another one real soon. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. All right. You know, that's, that's pretty good. You know, I always, I always liked Kurt. He's, he was a good economist and he understood farms and he wasn't just bare numbers. He understood what was going on in the field. Right, and I like the way he approached it, and, and you had alluded to it too. That the guy you were talking with this morning had already done that. Uh, but these guys need to go ahead right now and start. You don't have to be in concrete, but planning on what they're going to plant next year, looking at these budgets. Uh, yeah. And if I remember what he said, kind of plan on about a 2% increase in operating costs. 
Yeah. I mean, price, you know, prices aren't going up, but the expenses are. So yeah. you got to allow for it. So, but I, it cartoon. I seen a cartoon this week. Somebody seen it on Facebook somewhere. And it was a uh, guy in a vice, you know. Uh-huh. He said, high prices are high input, low commodity prices. Squeezing the farmer in the middle. Yep, that's right. But the irony of this was, this was a 1952 commodity. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> so it hadn't changed. It hadn't changed. I mean, it's just you just and 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 really and truly, I don't see a whole lot of it getting any better. You know, there's no real bright spot on the future for any crop. That's what the grower this morning was talking about. I said, "You gonna plant wheat?" He said, "Yeah." I mean, I don't. There's not. I don't really see, I got a whole lot of choice. There's nothing that jumping out there that says, plant this, you know. So, yeah. might as well spread a little yeah, risk. It's a pretty easy crop, as long as you don't get a frost yeah. in the spring. Well, and he's a really good wheat producer. He'll put it on really good ground. Yeah. I mean, normally he'll make in the, he'll make, he'll average around 90 bushels on, you know, wheat. Oh, right. So, I mean, he's, he's done it long enough. He's good at it. And then he comes back and he plants, uh, narrow 15 inch beans behind it and he's cut some good bean yields so i mean he's he's got the system down but he'd like a little better a little better cushion on the price yeah yeah good so uh okay you had uh this morning and we're gonna call this the question of the day was tell us about the meeting you went to in winsboro this morning okay i attended a meeting down here something uh i know personally for the last 12 years, I've been trying to get done and begging for it to happen. A look like it's going to happen this year is a unwanted pesticide pickup program. Um, the Louisiana Department of Ag and Forestry and the LSU Ag Center is putting this on. Uh, I believe the LDAF is underwriting the cost of it. Uh, and it's fixing to happen. And right now, Unless something changes, it's scheduled for the week of December the 9th. Uh, now, there's going to be some preparation that's got to happen before on the farmer's part. You know, a lot of us have sent out a survey to them, and they've hesitant to respond to it, names, you know, how they all mm-hmm. are. Yeah. And, and again, we sent this out the last two weeks, and they were more worried about harvest. So, but what I want to do is to be aware of this. It's coming down, and we need it doesn't have to be exact, but we need an idea, and it will be for farm pesticides only, mm-hmm. not home, not diesel fuels, not really don't liquid fertilizers. It needs to be that leftover chemicals that the farmer has sitting in his shed. Yeah. Okay. And got a schedule for the week of December the 9th. Mm-hmm. And this is a northeast Louisiana pickup, okay? Okay. We're going to be the first one. All right. It'll eventually be multiple pickups across the state, uh, across the year. Uh, Right now, the thing we need to stress to our producers is we need an inventory. 
Okay. And this is strictly for the logistics of how they've got to handle it, you know, and what to be, to be prepared for. You know, uh, if, you know, because if it's just, let's just say it, some leftover insecticides or leftover herbicides that's current, you know, I'm saying current five, ten years old, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be in pretty good plastic jugs, plastic drums, something like that. Uh, but if it's a leftover drum of uh, arsenic, then we got to do something different. Yeah. You know, they need to be prepared this many pounds of arsenic's coming in versus this many pounds of acetate's coming in. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, Where so the, they can handle it, they just need to know. Where's the pickup going to be at? Tentatively, right now, it's set for North Franklin Parish. We're kind of looking up there around uh, the Warsaw area, possibly the uh, that, that that general area. Okay. Trying well, to find something that will kind of accommodate West Carroll, East Carroll, Richland, Franklin, Madison. You know. Yeah. And it wouldn't be out of the way for a drive for Tinsaw. Yeah. Well, that yeah, it wouldn't be bad to go to to Warsaw. Uh, that produce Associated Producers Gin up there. Well, it's in that area. Uh, we, that was our first thought, uh, but that also have an alternative site that we can get up underneath. And in December, they may still be gin and cotton. Well, that's true. Yeah, you're so, right. So some of those logistics are yet to be worked out, okay? Okay. And the reason I'm saying the week of the 9th through the 13th, if we get large volumes in Pacific areas, Mm-hmm. Possibly, I'm not saying that, so don't, I won't understand. I'm not guaranteeing multiple days. Yeah. Right now, we're looking at one day. Yeah. But if the volume is there, let's just say you had enough in Tinsaw that they may say, okay, we're going to pick up in North Franklin on the 9th, but we've got enough to justify relocating to Tinsaw. To the St. Joe Station, let's say on the 10th, mm-hmm. and picking up everything down there. Okay. Well, we'll so uh, that's another reason we need inventory by parish. We don't necessarily, we don't need your name on it even. Just, just contact, like I said, all this, we just walked out of this meeting about 30 minutes ago. Yeah. Of all the publicity has yet to come out on it, uh, and it'll be going out to our agents with more detailed information on what you've got to do mm-hmm. it is at zero cost to the producer. Okay. It will not cost him anything to come to one of these sites and bring his chemicals. Okay. okay. Uh, now, with that being said, financially there are some limitations on the Department of Ag as to how much they can take to. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, like we had in '96, possibly could have to revert to a first come, first serve basis on this first pickup. Yeah. According to the dollars they've got. Yeah. What um, is Kim going to put together a standard email, or do we need yes. just? When okay. Kim walked out of that meeting, she was going to rough up, put a put a, uh, a letter together go through communications and get this out because it's in the, I mean, we're, we're pushing this on a real tight frame, you know, for, to get all this done. Mm-hmm. We're talking, uh, 
inventory has got to be to this to the vendor by November the fourth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're pushing a real close deadlines here, so mm -hmm. they can bring enough equipment. Yeah. Also, by, with that November fourth deadline, if you've got leaking drums or you know what I'm talking about, yeah, that's got to be repacked. They're going to furnish the overpacks for you. And okay. they will be available through the county agent's offices. All right. At no charge. Hey, it's not so a bad deal. Hey, you got to draw the DDT there in the shed. Or you got to draw a metal drum and you don't know what's in it. Yeah. But it's real weak. May not be leaking yet, but you see a little rust flakes and stuff on it. Mm -hmm. And you pick it in the letter that Kim's going to send out. It will have all the details of precautionary and all that kind of stuff. And like he said, the last thing we need is a farmer going down the road with a chemical dripping out the back of his truck all the way to the site. State policemen following him, and then we've got all kind of contaminated sites we got to deal with. Yeah, that's so. We want to do it right. We're doing this as a service to the producer. And, but for it to work, they've got to work with us. Yeah. And inventory, I can't stress it enough. The inventory is critical. Well, and if you want to put on their XYZ farm in Tallulah, Louisiana, that's all we need to know. Mm -hmm. Once it's strictly to for a vendor to prepare what I'm handling, yeah. he doesn't care about your name. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, when Kim sends the email and stuff, we'll put it in. I mean, I'll put it in the papers in Catahoula and Concordia and uh, yes. Tinsaw Gazette, and I'm sure you will and around. It'll be in the yes. Franklin Sun. And, and I've also sent the emails out last week. I sent it out not only to produce, but I sent it to my ag supplier. Yeah, I uh, I sent it out. Yeah, they'll. Uh, I sent it out and got one reply, and a couple more people said, "Yeah, I may have something." You know, everybody's a little hesitant. You know, but uh, a little hesitant, a little yeah. hesitant because they're afraid. Oh, well, the EPA is going to come in here and look at this. Yeah, folks, we don't even need your name on it. Just drop it by the the county agent's office with it. I got so many pounds of this and so many gallons of that. You know. Yeah. And this is strictly chemical because I had one guy ask, well, what about old paint? No, we're not prepared to have paint. No. It's strictly yeah. chemical. All right. Well, good deal. Well, we'll keep that in the loop and we'll talk about that again. We'll keep mentioning that on every week's podcast as we come along. I've also here. talked with uh, Kevin Wofford. Yeah. Wofford. With LDAF and Kim Brown with our pesticide safety program, and we're going to have a whole podcast dedicated to this with them. Good deal. Uh, probably late October. All right, sounds good to me. We'll let yeah. them throw it out there. All right, well, we'll do it. Um, we need to make this work, and it needs to be successful. Because they're wanting this to be a reoccurring yearly program. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, good deal. Well, that's great. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep that on in mind, and we, as we move forward, we always we're always looking for good topics and all. And I'm sure everybody gets tired of listening to me and you talk. You oh know. yeah. We we don't have Kylie again today, so we're we're just 
We're we're just, just we just rambling, going down rabbit holes. Uh, one thing, let me say, though, uh, let me put it on everybody's radar, because we talked about it on the podcast, Industrial Hemp. The Ag Center is going to have an Industrial Hemp meeting November the 13th at Dean Lee in Alexandria. Now, there'll be more information coming out. Go ahead and write it on your calendar. Uh, I haven't seen an agenda. Don't know anything about it. That's all I'm telling you. But put it on your calendar, and we'll we'll go to that meeting and learn all about hemp, too. So. You know, I've already sent out a, a notice on that, and one producer does that. I didn't write to look at beans, and he said, don't let me forget about that meeting. I want to go. So yep. you know, remind her. I'm, I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of people at that meeting. So. I do too. Uh, anyway, well, that's where we are. Uh, once again, y'all listen to our podcast. You subscribe to it. Leave us a review. We'll see what we can talk about next week. Sounds like a plan. All right. See y'all later. See you later. Right. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local Extension office.